Welcome back to the Daily Hype Podcast. I'm your host, Ashley Pollard, and every week I am bringing you five episodes to help you up-level your life, grow your business, if that's for you, and see the world a little bit differently. We are so happy to have you here, so let's get this started, shall we? Guys, oh my gosh, I cannot wait for you to listen to this podcast episode with Madison Green. Madison and I quote-unquote met in a clubhouse room in February, and we just kept doing clubhouse rooms after that because we vibed so well. You know, I think we both kind of come from a place of like, you don't need a coach to run a business. Like whoever told you that is trying to take your money, and people are trying to manipulate in this space and steal, for lack of a better word. And I think she and I just kind of want women to know, like, you can start your business with literally no money. You don't even need to work with us to start your business. Um, And that there's just a new way of doing things. Madison is also really interesting because she has um, a really strong interest in cryptocurrency, as do I. And so we kind of talked about that a little bit. I know a lot of people have been interested about crypto, so... This is a way for you to just kind of hear a little bit about the differences of money now versus what money used to mean. And I hope that the whole conversation opens your eyes. Madison herself is just an absolute gem. She is so sweet. She's such a good, loving person. And I'm really excited to have her on so that you can hear more about her because she's really, 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 really great. So enjoy this lesson with Madison Green and can't wait to hear what you think. So we just gave the wonderful Madison an introduction, but I have Madison Green here who I am just so obsessed with, who I love so much and I'm so happy to have you here. Hi, Madison. Welcome to the Daily High Podcast. Thank you so much for having me on. I'm so excited. I've been wanting to do this for so long, so super stoked. Well, Madison, like I said, I did give you an introduction, but since you're here in front of me, do you want to give yourself an introduction? Do you want to give us a little scoop on who Madison Green is? Yeah, sure. So, oh goodness, it's, it's weird to put yourself into a little sentence, but I do yeah. business mentorship, investing. My journey began a few years ago. Um, I launched my first business from the van I was living in. Prior to that, just like you, I was living in New York, doing you know the whole city thing. And completely, you know, did a full 180 and went down the entrepreneur journey and really just was winging the whole thing. And that's really where my passion for business began. And also, you know, just like we were talking about earlier, bridging that world between spirituality and energetics with the actual practice, like practical business side of things that people also really need to have woven into their work. Yeah, you know, I think that you do a really great job of meshing both of this like emotional but also very kind of like business data-driven you know sides of ourselves right and it's funny one of my we met actually via clubhouse which is so funny um like most people I meet you know them via clubhouse (laughs) but what is so funny is that I remembered being in a room and somebody asked what do you do for I think it was content and I was like, I plan my content. I know exactly what I'm planning for the next six weeks. And it's planned out to make sure that I'm inspiring and educating and entertaining. And I was like, first of all, that's true. I'm such a planner. Mm-hmm. I'm so type A. I'm so like, what does the research suggest, you know? And then on the other hand, I also was like, I nailed that answer. Like, that's exactly what an expert would say, you know? And then you came on right after and you were like, I hear you and that's so valid, but also like I flow with it. I'm so in flow with my business and I'm so intuitively led. And it was one of the first times where I was like, wow, how inspiring to hear of someone, first of all, doing something totally different from me, but also saying like all these experts that are telling you, you have to be so rigid. It's actually not that way. You can be in a total state of flow with your business and with your life and lead with your gut, lead with your intuition. And it looks like that has really kind of been something that you speak on over and over to your audience. Is that something that you hear a lot? Yeah, yeah. Well, it's so funny because for people, someone like me, I actually admire the people that are so 
good at constant planning, so organized, very like type A, because I've never been like that. My whole family is not like that. But I do find those sides to be important. A lot of the clients that come to me that I work with, I see that they're so in their, I don't want to use the term feminine, but they're so in their right brain that they feel like the structure is triggering to them. And actually that's exactly what they need. And the, the feminine, the right brain, the creativity, it can actually flow within the structure. It's totally different for everyone though, because as you know, like business is not a one size fits all box. So for some people, the content calendar, the content planning, it's not going to work for them. Their content is going to end up being super boring, super stale, like everyone else's because they just churned it out all in one day. But for some people that really, really works for them and allows them to actually be in their creativity. With my coaching business, I tend to not plan content. It's really like spare the moment. But when it comes to my e-commerce, I have someone doing all that for me. I have someone doing mm. content planning because I don't love it. So I'm going to have someone else do it. And it just saves me all that time and allows for someone else who's more logical to be in their zone of genius and take care of it. So, And that's such a good point of kind of like, viewing it as right brain left brain I've had such a problem myself with like masculine and feminine it's just kind of like a little bit of an an annoyance for me and I think you put it super eloquently um that you know there has to be like a little bit of both and so tell me a little bit about the e-com world now that you mention it that you have somebody who kind of runs your e-com business like tell us a little bit more about that how you got started with it (laughs) so I was living in New York and I was you know working as a cocktail waitress just coming home at like five, six, seven in the morning, hustling every single day. And I saw all these people like literally living the entrepreneur journey, really reaping the benefits of the the location freedom, the time freedom. And that was so activating to me because I didn't even see that it was possible unless you had a a lot of knowledge of it. And so what ended up happening was I I literally, it sounds so woo-woo, but it, it is the way it is. I had a download to sell a product, a women's holistic healing product. And I was like, the worst that can happen is that it just does not work out. So I, I Squarespace, I made Squarespace website, just chucked up like a made template, um, ordered some inventory and really started figuring it out from there. And I had brought the inventory with me from New York all the way to LA and really officially launched it um, while I was living in a van. So I was packaging orders in the back of the van every single day. And so the e-commerce world was completely unknown to me. I had no expertise whatsoever. But, you know, as all the people that are really successful, it's like you just learn as you go and you figure it out. The one thing that I do see with people, especially while they're starting out, is they treat, especially in the e-commerce world, they treat it like a hobby. So it's kind of like a cutesy little thing where they're selling things on Etsy, but they're not really taking it seriously until I started really realizing like this is a, a whole separate entity. It's not me, the business. So I have to treat it as such and really respect it. That's when it started to grow. And of course, there's that feeling of, oh my gosh, like there's other competitors. There's people selling the same product. I've been doing this for years. I have no clue what I'm doing. And you get to focus on that, right? You got to do your market research, see who your competitors are. But until I really started like, okay, I've got to put that on the back burner and focus on my own brand. That's when it really, really blew up. So it was this long, long, long journey. But the amazing thing about the e-commerce is that it was very spur of the moment, but it is the one source of income that has sustained me for years more than any other little side project I've started. So I recommend anyone. I think it's going to keep growing more and more the e-commerce and digital world, of course. You know, there's a couple things that you said in passing that I kind of want to really highlight because you probably didn't under- even understand the impact of what you said that I think my audience says a lot to me, which is like, I have Square One Accelerator, which is people starting their online business, right? And Mm -hmm. they say things to me where, you you know, one thing that you said was, um, I didn't have much experience. I just wanted to figure it out. So what I did, da, 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 da. And I'm like, ba, 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 ba. But that mindset alone of saying, I'm just going to figure it out. um, That is something that I'm realizing is so hard for some people. You know, we have people in Square One Accelerator who who are like, I can't just figure it out. I have to overlearn. I have to learn and learn and learn. And something we talk about in Square One Accelerator is that online business, I compare it just for like a really crazy juxtaposition of an example. I always say it's like the trapeze, like you can study the trapeze and you can watch people do the trapeze and you can like watch it and plan it and know what movements you're going to make, but you don't know how to do it until you grab the bar, right? 
That's actually when the learning starts. And so there is a time and I have to be really cognizant that I don't over coach or that I don't over consult or give too much information where then people are like, well, she said I have to do this. And it's like, no, I'm just trying to give you a point of reference because at the beginning to your point, you kind of just have to say, I'm just going to figure it out. That's really where the magic happens. Mm -hmm, Absolutely. And it's also so important to have someone like you in place. Like I wish I would have had an Ashley when I first started someone who was several steps ahead of me, really giving not necessarily a, a, you know, blueprint, but someone who can oversee the whole thing to actually save you so much time. Then on the flip side of that, just like what you said, all the most successful entrepreneurs that I look up to, they really are self-sourcing in that way. It's like, if you can't figure out how to start a website, you can't figure out things on your own, you can't always rely on people. And I think that's really where the entrepreneur journey, especially when it comes to like the coaching industry too, there's a lot of, you need me, but it's like, you got to figure it out on your own first and then start to build that team up, have people like you on their side to help them grow, but not leaning on you to the point where it's, codependent they can't formulate answers on their own like I always have people in my dms asking me questions and I just think to myself sometimes like you could just google that yeah 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 (laughs) yeah a lot of things are so googleable and it's funny because you know it's one thing to say can you give me an update on what I need to be doing in my business and let's do it for 12 weeks right because you you can google all of that stuff and it's almost nice to have one person just say this is my process if you want to take my process this is what I would do right mm-hmm. however then I have people who are like I want to work with you monthly because then I can ask you questions like how to set up my business and how to do this and I'm like girl no like you got a resourcefulness one is like one of the number one things that leads to success but the next thing would definitely be are you resilient Can you fall flat on your face and then realize how much of a blessing that is? Because now you know what doesn't work, right? It's a lot of this separation. I always tell people like, don't ever blame yourself. Always blame the strategy. They did not buy that because they didn't like you. It's maybe the messaging was off. Maybe the pricing wasn't right. Always blame the strategy. So I think that what you're saying, honestly, and you kind of just like glazed over was that you came into this with such a strong resilience and you should give yourself some credit for that. I hope you do because you kind of were like, fuck it. I'm just going to figure this out as I go. I'm going to figure out packaging. I'm going to figure this out. I'm just going to learn by Google, you know, a student of Google at all times. I think that's, I think that's so cool. I would say that, you know, hitting the, the rock bottom and the really, really crunchy parts of business where it's like, Oh, my God, like it's not easy right now. I would say those moments are really what makes someone a successful entrepreneur. If you can come out the other side of that, because there's so much, just in society, there's so much quick gratification. We were talking about investing earlier. People are like, how can I make money? Or they invest in a coach thinking that they're going to see the six-figure month, the literally the following month. There's so much quick rewards. If you can order Amazon, it comes the next day. If you can wait and really have that patience, that's when the breakthrough happens. But when it's one of those times where, oh, I don't remember how to do this, or this is something new, how do I do this? When people get frustrated or maybe their launch isn't working perfectly and they're like, oh my gosh, you've got to keep moving through that. That's the, and it's going to keep happening over and over. It's never going to end, especially when you're an entrepreneur, so. No, it's so true. It's like, do you want the Amazon version of your business or the Louis Vuitton version of your business? Do you want the thing that's handmade and takes six weeks to make? Or do you want the thing that is going to break, but you can get it to your door in two days? It's like, come on, Mm -hmm. right? I think that's such a a really, really, really good point is like that slow burn, right? To your point, you brought up investing. Both of us have gotten into cryptocurrency. I have like dabbled. I've not even dabbled. I'm I'm definitely in it, but I'm. It's a slow learning for me, you know. Mm-hmm. And but it's I have seen such a turn in just the past few months, and I've been in for about maybe like nine months now, where some of these ones are growing. And I have so much more invested now because it has been like slowly growing over time that now those spikes are completely changing what I do have in the game. And I know that you're also really interested in cryptocurrency too. How did you get into cryptocurrency? My partner has been studying crypto for a really, really long time. He's so well-versed in not only just the side of it where, hey, you're an early adopter, like then now there's so much to explore, but the side of it where the whole monetary system is set up 
kind of like musical chairs, I would say, where, you know, some people get to sit in the chair and others are left out. I mean, the whole systematic structure of wealth and poverty is so screwed. And when I really started opening my eyes to that through him teaching me, and then also just a lot of self-study, it made me realize just how valuable like the crypto world is because it's giving people who may have never seen an opportunity to learn to invest, to create wealth. They have that power in their hands right now. And just like what you said, there's a plethora of information out there. It takes so long to really start to get hang of it. But the research is way better than, in my opinion, putting your money in just a checking account and a savings account, letting it sit in there. And it's interesting for me because I've always been someone, again, who's more right-brain, more artsy. I've never been into math and numbers and investing. There is this narrative where if you are a creative person, it's like, oh, that's just not for me. Like there's people in power. They know how to do that. They get all the wealth and I lose as the starving artist almost, you know? Right. And so that whole paradigm is shifting where people who are are creative, people who are conscious entrepreneurs like you and I, they're ethical, they're activists, they want to see change in the world. They're the ones who can, you know, receive wealth and start to really build up that abundance so we can create that change. The monetary system, in my opinion, it can't continue on if we don't want it to in the way that it's looked, where wealth is not passed on to people who truly need it, or there is wealth, but it's not being given to people, but there's so much of it, but it's just going to the big banks. It's just going to the Fed. It's not going to people who are starving, people that are suffering, you know? And so I'm just, you know, in the realm of investing, sorry, there's a car going by Mexico City, very noisy. In the realm of investing, you know, these people that are, that are, you know, learning about it, really opening their eyes up to it, we're starting to realize that we get to be the ones with the money now. It doesn't have to look like the structures that have been for a long time. And so that's really the whole the whole rabbit hole that I go into. But yeah, I would say to anybody who's interested in investing, you know, there's so many resources out there that you can learn and just study and really find what works for you. And just like anything, use your discernment, like what resonates and what doesn't and leave the rest behind and really form your own path and how you want to approach it. I think that is such a good point, uh, especially the, the the whole point about like you like currency is so divisive and it doesn't necessarily serve all systems the same. Um, and it is an opportunity, you know, crypto, NFTs, like these things are in place to kind of not maybe like to help underserved communities, but it is really no barrier to entry, right? You can invest, for instance, for me, I put in 150 bucks almost a year ago, and I've definitely way surpassed what I thought that I would be able to make in the, in the crypto world. And I have not even like really dove that deep into studying it, you know? I'm just on every day, checking out the trends, what's working, what's not working. I'm in one Facebook group where people are talking about it. So I'm picking up some things here and there, but it's just kind of a really interesting thing because to your point about how that connects to business, it's you're not gonna go into, I mean, unless you have like a randomly lucky moment in business or in crypto and put all your eggs in one basket and overnight make a shit ton of money, um, mm-hmm. it's probably not going to happen, right? Could it happen? Mm-hmm. Potentially, but probably not. The way that it actually works in your favor is to sit quiet, do your work, study the market, take a look at what you're doing, have patience, stay consistent, and then you have a spike, right? Oh my gosh, yeah. It's funny because I think, again, a lot of people, there is this the instant gratification mentality, and I think a lot of people begin to even approach investing um, well, I call it like employee mindset. You're sitting around, you're waiting for someone to like bless your life with, you know, you win the lottery. Otherwise, you just collect your little paycheck. And um, if you see that you're losing money in something, you panic. So in the same way, investing really relates to that where people will put money in. Sometimes it goes down. And can you hold and can you be okay and, apply, and approach that from a space of like neutrality? Or are you going to be like, oh my gosh, I'm down $100. I got to take out now. And then you end up not gaining at all. You end up losing your money. So it's such a, a practice of emotional maturity, approaching it from the place of neutrality. Can I hold that frequency of like, all right, I'm going to approach this as an investor and not just as someone who's 
clinging onto their money for dear life and just play that game. And that's really the key, I would say, to success in investing and in crypto, as you just mentioned. Well, and that energy, you know, energy goes where energy flows. I don't think that's the exact quote, but you get what I mean, where it's like, Mm -hmm. you know, even when we were talking about content, but now that we're talking about investing, but also when we're talking about business, the energy you put into something is the energy that exists there, right? So the person who, to your point earlier, is planning out their content and it doesn't work, it's because they're probably sitting there saying, God, this sucks, this sucks, this sucks. And it's like, you're putting that energy and it's going to be palpable. They're going to be like, man, she just made that for it to exist, right? And we've all had those moments where we just make something super fun off the cuff and we're like, how did that do well? And it was like, because you were enjoying it, right? So for to your point, like I can be creative when I plan for it because I feel like I have space right? But for someone else that could feel very limiting, it could feel off, it feel, could feel too rigid. And that post off the cuff where they are feeling very intuitive with themselves, that energy is placed into it. And that's how both do well. It's about the energy that you show up with to create, to invest, to do your business, because you're going to see a return on whatever energy you're putting in. And if you're gripping onto your money saying like, I only have a hundred dollars and so I can't lose a hundred dollars, what's going to happen is that you're going to have that energy around money as well, where it's like, yeah, but you're going to hold on to that hundred and it might dip to 65 because in a year or two, that hundred could be 1100 or could be 5,000, depending on how you sit and wait. Um, So the energy that you put into anything is going to be the energy that's A, represented there, but also kind of mirrored back to you. Mm-hmm, absolutely. It's really, really interesting to see how everything correlates so much when I, I think about investing and, and where, where money is going and how it's being spent and like what blockages can come up, even just in day-to-day scenarios. Like, can I tip more than I usually would? Does it feel, does it feel like a stretch? Or when I receive a bill in the mail, how does that feel? When I pay my rent, how does it feel? Does it feel like, oh my God, I have to pay rent and then I'm not gonna have any money? Does it feel like a dead end resource? And really just reflecting on how that feels, relating it back to investing. Can I put that money in and really just surrender knowing that it's circling in the economy? It's okay, it's not a dead end thing. If it, if it goes down, that's not something that's finite. And then going back to the business side of things, I love that you mentioned this because I see a lot of people when they're launching, when they're creating content, when they're sliding into people's DMs, there's this energy of like, I need you. Hi, hello, choose me. And that pick me energy doesn't really vibe with money very well. And people can feel that just like what you said. I think there's some people in business and in the coaching industry that are it for a quick buck and they think that they can get away with just snatching people's money really quick and, and being a little sleazy and the thing is just like what you mentioned in the online space people can still feel that so intuitively like they know what your intentions are even if you're not speaking them out into the world so you know reflecting again like where am I approaching business from am I approaching it from a place like I need you or Am I approaching clients, potential clients, leads, um, my offerings from a place of like, here it is, here it is, it's valuable. And if you don't want it, that's okay, but the right people are going to find it. And going back to, I always relate business and dating. I love using mm-hmm. that analogy in Clubhouse all the time. Mm-hmm. If you go on a date with someone and it goes amazing and it's wonderful and you're like, that guy is so cool or that girl's so cool or whatever. And they text you later in the evening and they're like, hi, what are you doing? Hello, what's up? Are you there? Like, do you not like me anymore? You're going to be like, ugh. Oh. <laughs> Gross. <laughs> and the clients and business is the same way. If you are obsessing over people, pulling, having that needy energy, both you know, the esoteric side of things, the energy of money is like, no, that girl's desperate. Like, no. And the potential leads, potential clients are like, why do they need me so bad? That's not attractive at all. And so it definitely all relates to each other in that way. And it's so simple. I think people make it a lot more complicated than it needs to be. You know, it's funny. We talk about that a lot in Square One Accelerator, where I say to them, I honestly think one of the best things that you can do on a discovery call is to say, I don't want you to make a decision right now. You're an adult. I want you to ruminate on this, sit on this. I want you to make the best decision for you, even if it's not me. Take the time. You have until X date to let me know. That's kind of when I I personally would need to know internally. Me giving people that space almost always 
A, allows them to trust me, but B, it comes back almost all the time. So unless it's truly not the right fit, which is everybody's entitled to, to come back to me and say, well, listen, maybe it's not this, but I think it might be this now that I thought about it. Or, you know what, it's not for me, but I am going to refer you to so-and-so and so-and-so and so-and-so and so-and-so because they are going to benefit from your services in this way or whatever it is. But to your point, like there isn't like, please fucking pay me for this. Please, please, please pay me for this now. Oh my God, the decide right now. I cannot handle the decide right now, Madison. Me neither. I, the first time I invested, actually, I got on a call and I ended up investing in it. It really came from a place of, is this a yes or a no? Okay. Are you ready to pay with your credit card number? And while that was all okay and everything, it definitely put my body in fight or flight. One thing I do want to say about that is I think a lot of people who are becoming coaches and consultants, they don't understand that there's a different way to approach sales. Like you actually don't have to do it that way, but you know, there's so many people that are teaching that they're going to leave. They're going to have, um, they're going to find an excuse to not invest if you let them wait. So don't let them wait, but I don't want people to invest from a place of anxiety. And then they're going to be like, how am I going to afford groceries next week? And then they're not even going to be in a program or whatever it is from a place of like spaciousness and ease. They're going to be anxious the whole time. That's no good. I say the same thing. This is why we vibe so well. Like we, I totally get where you're coming from. And I had the same experience where I got on a call with someone and she was like, yeah, we just need to, you know, a payment today to make a decision. (laughs) And I was like, this is a $5,500 investment. And what kind of person do you think that I am? Maybe not what kind of person, because some people can intuitively make those decisions and that's not incorrect. But I am the kind of person that I need a minute. I need 24 hours to make sure that I'm making a decision that feels inherently good. And it wasn't, I just like was turned off by the person then because I was like, I'm allowed space. I'm allowed that space, right? And then on the flip side, you know, I um, run launches. That's one of the services that I do where I step in. We do your entire content plan. We run a free event so that you can start to find people that are actually perfect for what you're doing. We run all the data and analytics to show you what kind of launch you could potentially have. It's in. It's one of the most incredible services and I'm really proud of it. But when I sign up with someone, I have a couple things where I'm like, I will not work with this, with this, with this, Right. And the first one is I refuse to sell from a pain point. You, if you're working with me, you are not selling to a pain point. You are not selling to, if you don't do this, then you're going to fail. If you do, if you don't do this, then who's going to help you? Or like, you know, even, even like make a decision right now, like, no, 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 no applications. Mm -hmm. You're not a school. No, um, no, I do think applications are fine in some capacity, but like, um, Mm -hmm. No, like, make a decision on the spot. No, nothing manipulative. No pain point. Because to your point, that's the energy they're going to bring in, right? And if someone is so excited about your service because they thought about it and they're like, okay, this is definitely the right decision, they're going to bring good energetic vibes, not necessarily even to the group, to themselves, and then they'll see results. The more fear that people bring in, the more decisions that they make out of where's this money going to fucking come from, that's what they're bringing into the space and that affects the space, but it also affects them. And then what kind of change are you actually activating? Exactly. And then even like zooming out from another perspective, it's like, that's the kind of change and the kind of energy that you want to see in the world. You want people to feel like they can only invest in the space of lack. And I hear those objections. Like I've been in business programs and studied business one way and I've had to completely dismantle it in my brain because one of the Mm. things we learned about was handling objections. If someone says no because of this, like, oh, I don't have any money. You say to them, how can you create more money? People can't create more money from the space that they're in and that's okay. It's just is what it is. But I think the constant like bombarding with objections is very it's just like not it. And I think the types of people who are selling from those spaces, as we like the coaching and the service providing industry grows more and more, those people are really gonna be weeded out because 
they're here again, like I was saying, for a quick buck. And it's not a sustainable thing to just pull money from people like that. And on the other side of that, I get a little concerned that people are always so quick to say yes to everybody. Don't you even want to vet your clients? Don't you want to vet your potential people that you're working with? Just like how, you know, you and I, we've connected for a while. We vibe. We're like, let's collaborate. Let's do a podcast. You don't have to say yes to everybody that comes your way. And that's really, really important too. Again, using your discernment, what feels like a full yes and what feels like a no. That's so true. And I, you know, I haven't ever even really thought about it so much from that perspective of like, don't you want to know who those people are? Like, don't you want to have discernment about the people in your space, especially if you're energetically giving to them, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I think it comes back to something that I get kind of annoyed with in this space sometimes is this idea of like, work from like, join my group, join my group. I only work four days a month and I can teach you how to make four days a month and make $100,000 in one launch join, it's $20,000 and I only have space for eight people. Okay. Well, eight people at $20,000 is $160,000. And what you're saying is that you only work four days a month. So when do I get to work with you? (laughs) And your strategy is going to be sell a program for $20,000. Right. They give you five minutes of boxer time and you've been blessed with that. That's it. Yeah. Yeah, which always makes me laugh. They're like, you can add on calls for $11,000. Bitch with who? Barack Obama? Who am I calling for $11,000? Because he better be out of the line. Yeah, it's a very, it's a very weird thing. It's funny. Just, I like how this has turned into kind of an event about it. But I think this discussion really does need to be had. I don't see a lot of people talking about this stuff. Yeah, but, but not enough where there's a lot of people just slapping on titles and they think that that's what's magnetic. I've seen people even like, I randomly followed. I'm like, huh? They have like 500 followers and they're like, just made my first million. I'm like, okay, if that's true, awesome. I'm feeling like that's probably not the truth, but you know, I can have my discernment and say, that's probably not the truth. There's some other people out there that are like, wow, they made the first million. I need to work with them. How did they do it? And they invest with them. And then that person under delivers, leaves that person bitter about the coaching industry. They could have worked with someone like you and completely save themselves time, have the experience where it feels ethical and they're actually getting the exchange that needs to be had rather than a coach sitting there and being like, journal your way to seven figures, whatever it is. I manifested a Chanel bag and it's like, no bitch, you sold a hundred spots at 10 grand and you bought one. That's just tell the truth. (laughs) Yeah. That's, that's what it is. You know, it's it's so funny because people all the time and not necessarily my clients, because a lot of my clients are truly like service-based businesses or new people in the space. And, but people who are more peer to peer are always telling me like, you have to raise your prices. You have 10 years experience in really big corporate business. Like you're activating huge change with people. You're in their businesses with them. Like you're not working four days a month. And my, my whole thing is like, I stand by my prices. I think 1500 for my container is great. And I think that, yeah, 3,500 a month for my monthly retainer is fair because that's three two-hour calls and I'm inside of your business with you, you know? So it's like, I do really stand by my pricing. It is expensive. I'm not going to act like it's not, but the problem is not my pricing. The problem is everybody else's pricing. How is somebody who has, who states that they're a seven-figure business, but all of their coaching programs are $25,000, what's going to be the tactic that you sign up to learn? It's going to be sell a $25,000 program, right? They're a seven figure business because you've joined their program to learn how to be a seven figure business. (laughs) It's just a whole loop pyramid scheme in and of itself, which is just so interesting. It's going to be interesting too, to see like, will that ever be regulated? Is it ever going to be brought to light? How are those people going to sustain that long-term? I mean, I'm like, that's not my problem. So you, you, you. But yeah, I, it's I definitely do not my it. problem, yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm like, you have fun with that. Like, that's cool. But it really does leave a bad taste in people's mouths. And then it goes back to, you know, when you are a coach or you are a consultant, you're a service provider, you are leaving a blueprint on the world and in the industry you're in. So is that really what you want to be enabling? Mm-hmm. Is that really what you want to be enabling? And then also, I always wonder too, back to the ethical side of things, like these people who are seven-figure earners, of course, like they don't have to virtue single signal, nothing like that. But I wonder 
what they do with that money that's earned, where it is going back to, where it's being cycled out into the world. And especially like I have a bone to pick with the new age community because I do weave a lot of, um, you know, spirituality and energetics into my life that has played such a big role. But there's this side of it where people will just start things out. Like you can manifest abundance, like money is energy. If you don't have money, you are in a state of scarcity mindset. You can't say that to someone who's homeless. Like how could you even say those words? It's, it's so beyond that. So going back to the coaches that say like, I manifested seven figures. It's so unethical because there's so much gray area where transparency needs to be had. And I think that in this age of information and coaching and entrepreneurship, moving forward, the ethical side of things. And you've actually talked about this before where you said the fact that you were so transparent made you so magnetic, made you stand out compared to everybody else in your field. That is really what people are so attracted to is that level of intimacy and trust where it's like, wow, you're willing to talk about something that's a little crunchy, a little edgy. People may not like it, but it, it needs to be spoken out to the world. And being a change maker is talking about those things that may not feel pretty and sound pretty all the time, like manifesting some figures. <laughs> totally. I mean, I am not shy about it. I definitely can't keep my mouth shut enough about it. I am always, I mean, even my sales page, it's like you, you go to my website, the first thing you see in massive print is you do not need me because that is the mm-hmm. number one thing that I want people to understand. Do not come here because you need me right? Come here because there's a a hole or a gap in your business and you're like, I need you to fill this. Maybe it's, there's a few different segments of my business and so I want to join your program. Maybe it's, I have this one kink to work out so I'm going to book one call. Whatever it is, I can help you, right? Which is also coming back to that ethical space, your product suite should be diverse because if somebody comes to you and they say, listen, I understand that $1,500 makes total sense for Square One Accelerator, but I just don't have it. Great. You know what I do have? I have the best parts of Square One Accelerator available for bundles all around the $100 price range. You're definitely not going to get the full experience, but I want to be able to meet you where you are, right? So now I have a passive income product that can supplement that. You could do a one-on-one call for just a fraction of the price so that you get some sort of handholding or some sort of help. And it's things like that where it's like diversify your product suite, right? If you are wondering if you have, you know, ethics in your business, can you meet everybody where they are? Do you have payment plans mm-hmm. that aren't completely just like stripping people of the opportunity to work with you? You know, if it's a thousand dollars to work with you and $3,000 with a payment plan, like, come on. But So it's, it's things like that where I I do like to call things out, but you know what I notice is that people change and people are paying attention to me and maybe not like a lot, you know, I don't have like all the followers in the world, but I am calling out very specific people, never by name, never with like this person or showing a graphic that people could know who it is. Like that is not my jam. My job jam is not to like get someone shut down or to ruffle feathers that way, but to say like, why are you guys doing this loudly on my profile where people might make their own assumptions about who that is? And I've noticed some people start to show prices on their sales pages that previously mm-hmm. did not, um, which is a big one. If someone has to get on a I call love that one. to find out the price, now they're trapped. They feel awkward. They feel scared. Um, and, you know, they feel like I should have, maybe I should have known better, Right. Um, showing those sales on your, showing that number on your sales page, but also, um, being a little bit cognizant about saying no to people and saying like, I don't think this is the right fit for you and offering something for everybody. Um, I am starting to see a little bit of a shift, which gives me like the tiniest bit of hope. Um, Mm -hmm. but I am starting (laughs) just like literally like one centimeter of hope, but it, you know, I do, um, and it, you know, it's funny because there's so many people that follow me also that are not in this space. So when I say things, sometimes I don't think they even understand like what I'm saying, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. but you know, there are so many people on my intake form. It says like in this space, we champion and support Black lives. They may also get different pricing than you did because I believe in reparations. Um, This is something I believe in. This is something I believe in. And you have to know that because I will be talking about it. 
Um, mm -hmm. And it's kind of my way of saying, like, if I want to join a call and say, wow, I'm so happy that this bill passed, I don't have to be like, oh, I hope that they don't get mad if I say this. No, I, I'm running this space. This is my space and I get to say what I want. And I want the BIPOC community that is in a room that I'm creating to know that they're not sitting next to someone who hates them, you know? Mm -hmm. So are you doing things to kind of like make sure that safe, that there are safe spaces, that there are places that you can, but things like that, things like the transparent pricing, that's what I was going to say. Things like the intake form, mm -hmm. those convert sales. People will say, thank you for having that there. I want to work with you now. I feel safe here, mm -hmm. you know? Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. The transparent pricing is a huge one. Going back to like, um, I want to touch on the, the representation and everything too, but, but going back to the transparent pricing, when people get on a sales call, they have no idea what the price could possibly be. It's putting them back into that state of fight or flight where they feel like the person that I'm looking at on the Zoom call who's at the end of it, like, oh, they're going to give you a big price. It makes me feel like I'm against you, like we're going against each other. There's this tension that is palpable, even though we're, we're just, you know, on Zoom. And the thing about the transparent pricing, again, is it's saving, like, let's say it's a coach and they did the transparent pricing. It's saving them time because what's the point of getting on calls with people that actually aren't a good fit for your container? or it's really just not an investment that they can make. You just sat on there for one to two hours, wasted both of your precious time, time and most valuable asset that I always talk about. And then back to the, the ethical side of things, do people feel safe in the spaces that you're providing? That's a huge one. And going again, like the energetics, the money and talking about abundance, that's not the case for everybody. So not everybody can relate to that message. Even if you're running an e-commerce, I've seen, um, just to think of a brand like For Love and Lemons, until George Floyd passed away, they had all white models. You can literally go back and see last June, all of a sudden they had women of color representing their brand. So it's something that oftentimes I think like, you know, white people don't think about but it needs to be thought about because that makes up such a huge portion of people who are looking at your brand, looking at your words, looking at your content. And they might think to themselves, like, I don't even feel like I can relate to this content because I don't see myself being in it or I don't see myself presented in it. Huge, huge, huge. Mm -hmm. Are you hiring people of different races? Are you hiring people of different backgrounds? You know, I don't come from money. We weren't necessarily like we weren't, I mean, we were totally middle-class, like in a great way. Mm -hmm. I went to a private school for God's sake. So I'm not going to sit here and act mm -hmm. like we had no money. We, we were fine. But, you know, when I moved away to New York, it's not like we had enough where I could like ask my parents to cover my rent or ask for their help with money or something like that. I mean, I'm sure that they gladly would figure it out, but I couldn't. And that I'm, I'm totally fine with that. But that is part of my story. And so I, I was always sensitive to that idea of like, um, you, you are your mindset. Okay. So like change, just change your mindset and then you'll be able to manifest more money in your life. And it's like, I didn't know how to buy groceries when I moved to New York because it was like rent or food. Like that's how broke I was. Like, so you want me to, but you want me to focus on my mindset? Like I'm focused on like, am, should I go order, a, should I go have another $1 slice of pizza for the eighth day in a row? Because that's all I can afford to eat right now, you know? And so yeah. it is completely bypassing a group of people where you're like, do you understand hardship? Like, and you want to tell me to like work on my mindset? It's like, okay, do you want to come pay my bills? Like, come on. <laughs> yeah, mindset. Um the quantum leaping into abundance consciousness is the last of your priorities when you're in your survival mode, which a lot of people are like, just like what you said, I've been there too. I shared a story on my page where I was living in a hotel. I had to charge it to a credit card. It was an extended stay motel and no idea what I was going to do with my life mindset and being in the frequency of prosperity was the last thing on my mind. I did get out of it. Mindset definitely helped with that. It was keeping me like solid, but it wasn't what got me out of it. It was my actions. It was hustling, you know? So definitely talking about those things. I think there's a lot of people that don't share the grimy sides of their story, but just like what you said, sharing and being open about that is again, one of the most magnetic things and really helps people realize like, oh, I get to See, you know, they look at someone like you who is successful and people tend to think like, oh, they must have had it all figured out. It was handed down. They just, you know, got through life 
But when you share the shitty side of things, it really, really helps people understand that they can get from point A to point B, just like what you did. And it wasn't just magically manifested out of thin air. Yep. I mean, I remember taking like freaking part-time jobs at the Met Museum as a a person who stands in the corner on the weekends while working at Oscar de la Renta, making no money. And I was like, I swear to God, if any of my, anyone in my office walks past me, I'm going to act like I have a twin. Like, I'm just going to be like, oh, actually, that's my sister. Like, I don't know what I'm going to do. Because it's I was like the ultimate New York story too. Like I was working at the Met and Oscar de la Renta. <laughs> I mean, I guess so. Yeah, it is a little bit of a story, <laughs> <laughs> but and that sounded terrible. But like, I love it. you know, it's like, it was that or it was, um, you know, I had two full-time jobs. I was working full-time in a restaurant in Times Square and full-time in my full-time job just because like I literally was making enough in my full-time job just for rent like not even the subway not even like a life not even my cell phone not internet like literally nothing my roommate and I used to do this thing this is so funny oh my god I can't I like never talk about this but my roommate and I used to go to clubs because you could get in for free you know what I mean you would drink for free you would go with a promoter And so that was like our social life when we first moved to New York because we didn't have any money. And then what we would do is we would, uh, you could always find like the rich guys in the clubs. Like you always knew who they were. You knew what they were wearing. You could tell them from a mile away. Like you get it, right? Yeah, you know the the finance bro archetype when you see it. Yes, it is a total, (laughs) it's a cartoon character. Like you know exactly what they look like, what they're acting like. Like their name is always like Brayden. So, you know. We would always talk to those guys. They would always have some sort of like driver outside, you know? And so we would, we'd be like, oh yeah, like, I bet you're one of those guys who has like a driver outside waiting and they'd be like, yeah, of course I do, blah, blah, blah. So we'd go outside and we'd be like, oh, are you Brayden's driver? Are you Brayden's driver? Are you Brayden's driver? And we'd be like, he said that you could take us back to our place. And they're like, okay, well, if Brayden says so, like we did that like three different times, totally worked not even kidding but also we lived so deep in Brooklyn like so deep in Brooklyn because it it took like three trains to get into the city and so we would always tell cab drivers just take us right past the Brooklyn Bridge we live right past the Brooklyn Bridge because no one ever wanted to drive us there because it was so far and then we would get Mm -hmm. past the Brooklyn Bridge and we were like okay so really we live like all the way down there so we just have another 20 minutes and then we're good but you're, you're already past the Brooklyn Bridge you're already here so like you might as well keep going And almost every time they would be like, get the fuck out of my cab. And we were like, this is the best case scenario because he kicked us out. So now we don't have to pay for the cab and we'll just walk another 45 minutes home. Not kidding. (laughs) Win-win. Yeah. I was like, yes, free cab ride past the Brooklyn Bridge. (laughs) Like, what the hell is my problem? Like, but that's what we were doing when we were starting. And it's like, you wanted me to like manifest a better life. Like, bitch couldn't afford my rent like what are you talking about right yeah it was either that or a $50 uber or like you said sitting on the train I used to live in South Williamsburg and I'm like I'm not going to train at three in the morning like I'm I'm good I mean I definitely have done that though I've definitely sat waiting for the L train (laughs) chilling sweating my ass off like on the stairs in a dress like when is this train gonna come no cell reception because there's someone singing like someone's always singing yeah (laughs) and then you're like okay so when the train comes I still have 50 minutes to get home like five zero minutes to get home which is so funny um Man, but it, I mean, it's like a total, it's not a total start from the bottom now we're here, but it's like I started from the middle of the bottom, to, you know, the, the, the top of the bottom to get here. Yeah. Um, yeah. But I think it's those things that allow both of us to be more ethical creators, um, either of spaces, of, of content, of, you know, experiences, because we have a little bit more of that humanity to be like, I know I'm not I'm not gonna fucking sit here and say only 5,500 to you like I'm never gonna be that person it's only <laughs> 5,500 like I'm literally never gonna say that you know and I think it it's it's something like that kind that kind of no offense if you say that by the way but no, no, no. well I just want to say like that's what you said you know we're divine beings we're you know we're beautiful we're abundant prosperous we're energetic but we're also on planet earth 
5,500 would have been incredible to have when I was living in New York. So going back, like these numbers might be normalized for people like us, maybe, but for a lot of people who are starting their journey, I mean, the first investment I made was 3,000 and it was terrifying. I was like, three thousand dollars it's a lot of money so no it's not just only three thousand only five thousand yeah a lot of money for people totally (laughs) you know and i i get on these calls like i gave eleven hundred dollars in a pandemic for my unemployment checks to hire Mm -hmm. my first to hire somebody to help me out with this and i'm so glad that i did i wouldn't trade it for anything but even then I was like, this bitch is saying $1,100 to me. Like what? That is so much money. That's like, I wouldn't buy myself an $1,100 bag and she's saying $1,100 to me and I'm just going to be like, sure. Like it's so yeah, crazy. And I knew that it was going to come back and I knew that I had what it takes. I knew that I just needed to understand the framework in the space and like have an introduction to how this was going to work. Um, and so I knew that. But that doesn't change the fact that it's hard, you know? And so, yeah, like, for instance, I'm looking at a a coach right now, and it would be a $35,000 investment, but I can do that. I can do that investment now where I'm at. Somebody who I'm talking to would probably be like, that's a down payment on a house, you know? Like, that's crazy. But, you know, it is just a completely different space. So it's not necessarily that the price is wrong. It's that if you're talking to somebody who is starting, who is new, who doesn't have that $35,000 in their business bank account where they can use it without taking from their personal money, mm-hmm. then you have to be at least understanding of their perspective and don't say things to them that could be condescending where they're like only 1500. Like that's so much money for me though. Now I feel bad about my circumstances or I feel stupid, yeah, or I feel, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It's really, really belittling. And one of the things I hear a lot when people, I've even had clients that I've worked with, they've told me I got on sales calls with a lot of other coaches. And when they said they needed time to think about it, or maybe that investment was a little bit too much for them. The coach would always have an objection. Like, it's just your mindset, or are you sure? Or, okay, let me know when I've heard, let me know when you're going to take it seriously. It's insane. Like I take this seriously right now. I just want to sleep on it. Like that's literally. Can you imagine like how humiliating that feels? And it's like these people are not numbers. People are not numbers. People are not. They're human beings. We need to talk to each other as human beings. And I think the issue with business is it really loses the emotional aspect. And we got to remember we're people. We have hearts. We are emotional beings. Don't forget that that person on the other side of the screen is the person that has real life stuff going on. You don't know what's happening in their personal life. And that's really, really important when people ask, like, what is your top marketing tip? Like, treat people like human beings. Yeah, just care about a a person. There's a girl who joined Square One Accelerator one time when I ran it, and she was so excited. And, you know, she was telling me, like, you know, I'm doing the payment plan, and I'm so excited, and this is everything that I need, and I've been following you, and I trust you so much, and I'm so excited, and I'm so excited. And I found out a week later that, I mean, this whole time, it's not like it randomly happened, but this whole time, like her two-year-old daughter has leukemia and is she's in and out of the hospital. And so I was like, um, we're waiving your payments. You are not paying us to be in this space. You have every right to be here, but we are going to, we, we're fine. You know, <laughs> like we're good and you can be wow. in this space without paying for it. And she showed up better she showed up more excited you know but the other thing is that like what if someone fucking said to her what does that say about your mindset not knowing what is going on with her daughter you know and i get so protective like fiercely lioness protective over my people you know and so now knowing her and knowing all that she goes through on a daily basis and knowing her business and how hard she fucking fights for it for me i'm like I hope nobody ever says that shit to her because I will like come for a bitch, you know, it's like, imagine saying that to someone and not knowing what is going on in their family. And it's like, just give people, treat them like adults. You can go make an adult decision and still choose tomorrow to join this. Every time I give people space, I got an email since I've been sitting here of someone I talked to yesterday who said, I thought about it and I'm really excited to join. Let's go. 
it happens almost every time that if you give someone yeah. space, they trust you more and they're able to make a decision about what is right for them. And if you vetted them and you've given them all the information, they probably are in the right place. They just need to mm -hmm. sit with it and make that decision with themselves. And if it takes a day, it takes a day, guys, you know? Absolutely. Yeah. The, the rushing of, hi, checking up on this. I mean, I understand if it's been a week, of course, like you were saying, you have that boundary and that deadline, but hovering over a person, again, just thinking in terms of where scarcity exists. And I was talking about this in a post the other day where time, such a valuable asset. A lot of people do not have time right now. Time is constantly being taken from us in jobs, in busy work, um, just in day-to-day -day activities. And so again, in the entrepreneur space where we're trying to cultivate you know, ethical entrepreneurship, we're trying to cultivate abundance, we're trying to help people really dive into this from a place of excitement, from a place of not getting burned out. If you're pressuring people, you're collapsing time, not in a good way, you're making people feel rushed, you're putting them back into the fight or flight, they might as well be back at their office job with their manager hovering over them. It's totally no different. Totally. Um, well, I mean, this is something that we could like literally talk about all day because this is what we talk about in Clubhouse. This is what we talk about in the DMs. Like this is just like what I we know. talk about. But, you know, I think it all comes back to if we wanted to circle back to one of the reasons I wanted you on here is like focusing so much more on energy. Like what is the energy you're bringing into a space? Something that I haven't even thought about that I'm so glad you brought up is like, what an amazing idea about like, what about your blueprint? I've never thought about that. You know, like what about everything else you're contributing to? Like I just got chills. If energy is going to reverberate potentially through time to other generations, to other people, like what are you doing to leave a lasting impression? That person that you charge $25,000 to and you don't know if they're the right fit, that could have been a down payment for them, for their family. You better mm -hmm. fucking hope that you're helping them out, you know? Yeah, yeah. The word, the word blueprint. And I, I see a lot of people talking about things in a really, really esoteric way. So I'm really trying to bridge that world between like, let's make it practical too. Blueprint and legacy are the same thing. And so when we get into these situations where let's say that you got on a call with someone, you pressured them. They said, no, you had an objection. They left that call feeling so icky, not feeling good. What is the legacy you're leaving behind in your business? Or like, what if they actually knew someone that would have been a perfect match for you? They're not going to refer you. They're going to say, I got on a call with this person. I just felt really belittled in that situation. That's not the legacy we want to live, leave behind for our children, for future generations, right? In this entrepreneur space, everything. So many, I mean, some brick and mortars are doing well, of course, but a lot of things are digital. Again, going back to the digital currency, the digital space, digital entrepreneurship, we really need to leave behind a blueprint of, of prosperity, of openness, of ethical practices, of transparency, of truth and of trust and of intimacy. These core values, I think, are going to be so, so valuable moving forward because, again, there's going to be, you know, robots taking over jobs. There's going to be AI. So to have that personal aspect is everything. Again, people are wondering, like, what is the key to being successful in business? If you're talking to people like a robot and you're talking to people like they're just a number, there's going to be a robot that's replacing that job like that. But if you can mm -hmm. continue like the human aspect of things and of the intimacy, I would say that's the most, for me, the most important blueprint that, you know, everyone can do this. Everyone can create this. We can do it from a place of both left and right brained. But yeah, going back to the ethical side of things, I think a lot of people tend to not zoom out a lot. They're so zoomed in on Am I going to make the sale? I need to figure out my next launch. And of course, you know, like plan for the future, focus on your business, but also focus on what are you doing for all of humanity in, in your work? Because you're not at a job anymore. You're not at a nine to five anymore. You get full creative reign over what you're doing. So it's so much larger than where's my next sale coming from? How am I going to do this launch? It's that's important, of course, but expanding outward and thinking about the long-term legacy is huge, huge, huge. Absolutely. I mean, wow. I just want to like applaud like, yes, girl, that like that, yeah. you know, trust, yeah. intimacy, being truthful. What is the legacy you're leaving behind? What's the legacy of those, those consumers 
those customers, those clients, what is the legacy of them that you're able to amplify? Are you amplifying more debt or are you amplifying more opportunity? Are you vetting people enough where they can make educated decisions? Do you, are you making educated decisions? And, you know, I think what everybody can really gain from doing well in the business world, like what's the tip for doing well in the business world? To your point, it is the energy that you bring into the space. It is treating people like humans. And it is not sacrificing all of that energy for like a lack of data and things like that. Because to your point, those things are important. And it is important to have mm -hmm. some sort of like clear something, even if you are super intuitive and flow, you know, you lead with from a place of flow, that's totally fine. I have clients who do so well in that space, but there is still a, a, a part of it that is regimented where you are now given the freedom to be flowy, right? Because you're mm -hmm. like, I have some sort of an understanding of exactly what's working on my behalf. Now, Madison, the last question that I have for you is like, as we you know, come to a close with our conversation, which bums me out. But, um, you know, let's end on like a fun foot. I want to know why Mexico City. You went from where you were in Vegas or where were you? Yeah, my partner and I, we were in Vegas for two years, which is insane because we got there with the intention of not really being there for a long time. But you know how life is where you blink and it's years later and you're like, oh, my God. Yeah. So Mexico City really was something where my partner was like, hey, what about Mexico City? I had never like heard of Mexico City, of course, but I was like, just never even thought of it. Yeah. And I was like, is it going to be like a city? I was all triggered because I lived in New York for a long time. I was like, I want to do it again. My nervous system, no. But um, gosh, like being here, it's absolutely incredible. It's funny because it reminds me so much of New York, but so green. I mean, I'm just looking out my wow. right now and there's so many trees so many flowers the food is incredible the the people are incredible just the quality of life here is way 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 better than Vegas Vegas is definitely coming to a close but um the main intention for being here was really one thing I realized like in my journey of being an entrepreneur running businesses was I would always get back into this employee mentality where I felt trapped where I was and oh I have to be here because this is where home base is it's comfortable I've gotten into my flow but the main reason why I became an entrepreneur in the first place was so that I can go take a trip and see my family if I want to I can go leave in a few weeks if that feels good um so that was really like coming to Mexico City was that initiation back into that like breaking the cycle really so highly recommend everybody to visit here it's just 10 out of 10. I'm in love. That's awesome. It kind of sounds like Sao Paulo. I, have you been to Sao Paulo? Mm -mm. Sao Paulo was also very New York-y. Like I kind of felt like I was in New York, but like the Amazon was growing through some of the sidewalks and like yes. so many palm trees and really gorgeous flowers that were really beautiful. Um, so that's really cool. I've heard incredible things about Mexico City. So I'm dying to go there and I'm really excited for you to be there. How long are you there? The plan is to have no plan, but we just moved into our apartment. So it's a month from month, luckily. But um, yeah, super, super flexible. I don't really see us leaving anytime soon, honestly. Obviously, for like visa run. But just like what you said about Sao Paulo, it's such a beautiful bridge between city and nature. I get a little bored if I'm like in the middle of nowhere, very off grid. I'm like, oh. <laughs> but then when I'm in the city, I'm like, oh my God, this is just too much of freaking That's out. So having way sensory overload so having the balance here it's like mexico is just incredible incredible balance yeah all right well madison i can't thank you enough for taking the time to talk to me today and for joining i just first of all i love your energy you are one of my favorite accounts to follow but i think that one of the most inspiring things about you is that you really want women to think differently people i guess truly to think differently about the possibility of things and to start to realize what is possible and what can be on the other side for you and to see cryptocurrency as an opportunity and to see business as an entrepreneur as an opportunity and to lead from a place of being truly ethical which is obviously something you and i both like could talk about forever but um is there anything that you would like to lead with us as far as like Anything that you're doing that you want to let us know about? Anything that's really great on the horizon for you? 
Well, when depending on when this is going um, I have something that I'm working on that's probably going to be announced in the next few days, um, depending on when it feels like all right, time for it to be to be out into the world. Um, but it is going to be around the world of cryptocurrency and investing and really um, helping women understand that. So that's going to be in the field. If you see my page, you'll probably see it on there. So, <laughs> yes. Well, and then where can we find you? Um, my Instagram is at SunGoddess. So it has three Bs instead of two. I'm I'm mainly on Instagram now. I've been taking a little break from Clubhouse. It's been, I'm sure you I understand, Clubhouse has been a lot. I was like, holy moly, I'm spending all day on here to talk for 10 minutes. So <laughs> taking a break, maybe back on there again. But yeah, for now, Instagram is definitely home base. Yeah, I don't think I've gotten on Clubhouse in like weeks, actually. But what I'm trying to do is more – I'm thinking about getting back on in a regimented way where it's like my room's weekly kind of thing um, where maybe I'm doing something on Instagram and then I'll do a Q&A over there just to kind of like open up the floor a little bit better and to mix and match mediums. But it is a lot. It's like a little bit the wild, wild west over there. But mm-hmm. it is sometimes a really great way to com- connect, um, which is where – Yeah, I will I met you on this, so it's perfect. <laughs> Well, thank you so much. I hope we have you back and enjoy Mexico City. I'm going to enjoy watching your experiences there and all the things you do. And I hope that you get to take advantage of it. I hope that it gets um, a little bit like better and better as time goes on, because I know that like, you know, maybe there's restrictions or things like that. But um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, thank you so much for having me on. And yeah, it's definitely, um, you know, it's still, you know, is what it is, but it's beautiful because I think collectively the whole world is starting to loosen up a bit. And so I'm excited to travel more and to also see people come here and visit, like friends and family, you, like you're more than welcome to come visit me anytime. Awesome. So, yeah, I just had a blast being on here, Ashley. Appreciate it. Well, thank you so much. Have a wonderful day, Madison, and we will see you guys next time. And that's a wrap on the Daily Hype podcast for today. I hope that you enjoy this and I hope you come back for more. Thank you guys so much, by the way, for the reviews. That is so big for a podcast. And listen, if you're not reviewing, at least you're sharing this with your friends. You're telling me that you love this. You're putting this on Instagram. It means the world to me. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And we will see you next time.